Hello, friends and church leaders. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we offer practical advice and insights to help you get better equipped, lead more effectively, and help your church thrive. I'm your host, Becky Holton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Carrie the Holton. Hi, babe. <laughs> oh, how are you doing, honey? I'm okay. I've got my coffee near at hand. I'm ready to go. Oh, help us live. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, we are in the middle of a series entitled, How to Help Your Church Get Off Dead Center. Yes. We know that there are many church leaders out there who probably feel like their church is not really making any progress, that they just feel sort of stuck, not moving forward. Right, right. And many of those same church leaders don't know what to do to to help their church get off dead center. They really are stuck, and they may be genuinely confused about what to do, what steps to take to help their church thrive. So in the last two episodes, we suggested three steps that church leaders might consider uh, to take to help their church get going again. Would you... Uh, give us a quick review of those, son. I'll be glad to. I knew you would. Step one was to clarify why your church exists. In that episode, number 34, I believe it was, we talked about the importance of knowing your mission and then getting every member of your leadership team to align behind that mission. So, church leaders, has your leadership team and church answered that all-important question, Why? Why do we exist? What is our core purpose? Why are we here? That was step one, to clarify why your church exists. Now, step two was determine what a follower of Jesus looks like. That's right. And in episode 35, we discussed the importance of having a clear picture in our heads of what we want people to become. You know, a portrait of a mature Christ follower, what that looks like, uh, a clear description of what a person looks like that's trying to follow Jesus. You know, because if the mission of our church is to make and grow disciples, then we need to know what a growing, mature disciple looks like. It just logically follows. So it's important and clarifying to know what we're trying to accomplish, what our goal is. Very good. And take us on to step three. Yes, step three. Uh, Step three is a natural progression from step two. It is to identify a step-by-step path that helps people become devoted followers of Jesus. In other words, it doesn't leave them in the dark as to what steps they need to take to become that mature uh, adult follower of Jesus. So we suggested that church leaders get together and develop a clear discipleship path for those who want to take their next steps toward Christ and toward spiritual maturity. Surely, they will want to go to Scripture to determine the characteristics of a disciple and then how to grow as a disciple. And I really like an exercise that we suggested in the last episode, and that was to consider how you yourself grew as a follower of Jesus. You know, who were the people or what were the events in your past that helped you to develop into the follower of Christ that you are today? Uh, I think if church leaders would reflect on what caused their spiritual growth, they likely would be able to come up with a short list of actions or steps um, that if taken, and of course we're, we're talking about what follows scripture, but if these steps are taken, it would help others to grow into greater Christ-likeness. 
Yeah, and by the way, I just started reading a book that I think is going to be very useful for developing the intentional discipleship strategy that we're talking about. It's entitled Discipleship Essentials, A Guide to Building Your Life in Christ. It was written by Greg Ogden. I think that would be a very good book for every church leader to at least get them started on identifying a discipleship path for the folks at their church. Um, by the way, if you can't find that book, it might be on my desk because <laughs> oh. <laughs> I might have accidentally on purpose borrowed it because that looks like a good book. And yeah, just, what do you think about that book? I just started kind of perusing through it, and I, I want to dig a little bit deeper before I repent and return, but you that know, looks good. A, a little bit about that book I think is so fascinating. He talked about how that every church needs to be a disciple-making church, and the way to do that is to start these disciple-making groups of tribes triads or quads, three people in each group or four people in each group. And then they covenant or they commit to go through a year's worth of curriculum and time together and developing a close relationship. They follow a certain curriculum. I just think it's fascinating and something we need. A discipleship path is what it is. I think it's in the heart of most Christians, but they just don't know where to get started. And that kind of thing is so much better done in a small group and in community where we can nurture each other and help each other you know that's well there's a scripture we've used well we're really going off script aren't yes, we, we but, are. <laughs> okay real quick that scripture we talk about um to not neglect gathering together you know we've used that to be the importance of church attendance but what follows that talks about and defines why we get together and that is to help us stay on the discipleship path right it is you know we help each other how we can do better and love other people and serve God better. That's what we do when we come together. And it's kind of like part of this path. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, a book that we might recommend right Mm -hmm. there. Discipleship Essentials by Greg Ogden. Okay. That's right. That just sounds really good. And I'm looking forward. We might actually have to order two, but let's go on to step four. Uh, Because step four um, is helping your church in helping your church get off dead center is determined where you believe God is calling your church to go in the next five years. Um, I I just think this step we are talking about is has such a powerful and inspiring vision for churches, this five-year goal step. Yeah, I think that's the value of that goal, right? Uh, That goal, the value of that step, developing the five-year goal. Uh, The value is it's powerful. It's inspiring. It helps people feel like they're really part of a movement. You know, I was listening to a Donald Miller podcast this week, and he and the person he was interviewing were talking about the need for and value of a life plan. Hmm. Yeah, they said that every person needs to spend some time thinking about where they want to be, what they want to become, what they want to do. It was so interesting. They said that to develop such a life plan, one needs to start at the end. And you know you know what their suggestion was? What? To write your own obituary. I bet people are just dying to do that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, they said, what would you like people to say of you and of your life When your life comes to an end, write your own obituary. And then they said, after you write that obituary, you need to write 15, 10, and five-year goals. Now, that's a life plan. So I guess what we are suggesting today is that church leaders draw up a five-year plan 
a vision of where they want God to take them in the next five years. This is so interesting. I, I think it's a great suggestion, but I didn't know you'd listen to this podcast, but remember I told you just a few days ago about something that I had found in one of our recent moves. When you and I were first married, uh, we worked with, you were a youth minister, we worked with a lot of teenagers, and we took them on a retreat. And I found that notebook from that retreat. It's written on a scroll. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the exercises, well, if the retreat was on determining your values. And one of the exercises that you had us do, and I remember sitting under a tree writing this, it was to write our obituary. And I found that. And what is so fascinating to me is that this was a life plan. I didn't know it at that time. It felt a bit on the morbid side, mm-hmm. and I was kind of wondering about you just a little bit. But, <laughs> but as I read that, I'm realizing how that gave me some direction for my life, and still is, because uh, many of the things that I wanted in my obituary, God has blessed my life far beyond that, but there's still a couple of things that's still deep in my heart. I'd totally forgotten that I had these dreams early on, and it's still it's still there in my heart. And I, I just believe that what we're, this, this can be applied to churches, because we can easily see what a clear and exciting vision can do for a church. I mean, it can excite people, and it actually, this thing helped me to feel excited that I found. And I believe that it can excite the people in the congregation. It lets them know this church is going somewhere and they're moving forward and they have a plan and they know where they intend to go and what they hope to accomplish by God's strength and God's grace. And And I think this five-year plan is kind of similar, very similar to what Donald Miller was talking about as a life plan. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Would Good you, idea. Well, do you have any suggestions for a leadership team that wants to craft a five-year vision for their church? I mean, I'm not sure we want to plan, write a obituary for a church, right? but maybe. Well, you know, I, I do have some suggestions for those who see the value of developing a five-year plan, mm-hmm. a, a vision. Uh, first of all, I would say you want to define that vision, that picture of what you want the church to become in the next five years in three to five succinct and very specific bullet points. You want to be as specific as you can about what you want the future to look like for your church. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, a church might want to double their weekend attendance in five years. Or they may want to support missionaries on every continent. I like that one. In the next five years. Yes, I thought you would. (laughs) Or they might want to start a thriving campus ministry on the state university Mm. or the community college in their community in the next five years. Or they might want to expand their children's ministry by hiring a children's minister and maybe building a new children's education center. Love that one. Yeah. Or a church might want to see 500 people become followers of Jesus in the next five years. Or they might want to launch a church online. Again, the vision needs to be clear, specific, and measurable. And I think a second suggestion that I would make just here is that the church needs to dream big. Absolutely. None of these anemic dreams. No, no. They need to craft a vision that is bold and aggressive, and that causes them to stretch and to put their faith in God. 
I mean, you want a vision that will excite people, that will make them feel like they're part of a grand movement. You want a vision that will rally people's prayer, time, and financial investment. So, you know, our encouragement here would be church leaders, dream big about where you want God's people to be in five years. Oh, I couldn't agree more because you want people to be able to say, you know, if we accomplish this dream, it's not because we did it. It's because God did it through us. And we want them to be able to say, I want to support that church and I want to invest in it. And I want to be a part of that plan. And I want to bring my friends to be a part of this church and this plan. Uh, but let's let's uh, move on to step five and talk a little bit more about it. We probably should. Yeah. Well, our step five for helping uh, churches get off dead center is to identify shorter term 12 month goals that will help help you and your church achieve this five year vision. Yes, that's right. You know, every church needs a five year vision, but they also need shorter term next year goals. That five year vision will need to be broken down into shorter term goals. So, What you want to ask is this, what do we plan to accomplish over the next 12 months? What will success look like in year one, year two, year three, and so on? And these 12-month goals then need to contribute to the achievement of the five-year vision. This sounds like the way you eat an elephant. Okay. <laughs> One bite at a time. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, really. Yes. That's it. You have to break it down. You've got to break it down. Or or you'll procrastinate or you will feel like it's too big right. or you'll just put it in some shelf in the church church storeroom that's locked away and collects dust. Very true. So give, Very us, true. give us some examples to help us think through this. Examples. I will. Okay. Let's go back to some of the examples we gave for the five-year vision. One example might be, in five years, we want to have seen 500 people become followers of Jesus. So, think about this. What do we need to accomplish in the next 12 months that would contribute to the accomplishment of that five-year vision of adding 500 followers of Jesus to the body? Perhaps a 12-month goal would be to develop a better system of welcoming and tracking first-time guests to the weekend worship assembly. Or maybe another 12-month goal might be to train your people how to build relationships and friendships with those who don't yet know Christ. Or maybe another 12-month goal might be, uh, that, that would lead to that five-year vision, might be to, to develop a solid pre-guest online strategy. Those are really good examples. And by the way, uh, in the book, Four Disciplines of Execution, and by the way, I think we've mentioned this book before. Uh-huh, I really like it. it. It's entitled The Four Disciplines of Execution. It's written by Chris McChesney, Sean Covey, and Jim Hewling. Uh, it, it's a really good book where he talks about, they talk about achieving your wildly important goals. Wildly important goals. I like uh, that. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, The authors talk about those 12-month goals in that book. They call those 12-month goals WIGs, or Wildly Important Goals. Go Wiggy. Right. Go Wiggy. (laughs) Uh, They talk about lag measures and lead measures. Okay. Now, to use our previous example, the lag measure would be 500 new followers of Jesus in five years. That's the end goal, the five-year vision. The lead measure would be the goal that would lead to 
the accomplishment of the lag measure. And that would be to develop a pre-guest online strategy or to develop a way to welcome and attract first-time guests or to train your people to develop friendships with people who don't yet know Christ. Those would be lead measures. They would be goals that, if accomplished, would contribute to the achievement of the five-year vision. So is a lag measure the goal? The lag measure is the five-year vision goal, yes. Okay, a specific goal, and then the lead the lead is how you get there. Right. Okay. The lag measure is the ultimate result that you're trying to achieve. Well, you got lags and leagues and wigs going on yes, over there. It can be a little confusing, you're I know. Me, you're working me over here. <laughs> and by the way, let me share another tip from that book, 40X, which I really like. I believe every leadership team, every every ministry staff especially, would find this tip useful. After you have identified your 12-month goals, schedule a very brief meeting every week to talk about progress on those goals. Hmm. And the meeting need only be 20 to 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be a long meeting. And in that meeting, let's call it a wig meeting. Each person on the team talks about what they want to accomplish in the next seven days. That is until their next wig meeting. They want to talk about what they want to accomplish in the next seven days that would contribute to the accomplishment of the 12 month goals. Then in the next weekly wig meeting, each person on the team would share the results of their last week's goals. And here is how I did on what I said I would try. Uh, in other words, that's what they, they come to the meeting and they say, okay, I said I would do this. Here is what I did in the last seven days. Here, either I accomplished my goal or I didn't. Here's the progress I made on it. In the last seven days, here's the progress I made. So that weekly wig meeting looks forward and backward. Right. Okay. It's it's where you state what you want to do in the next seven days toward reaching the twelve month goals, and it's what you did in the last seven days. That's right. Okay. You know, we do this every week in our ministry. We have a weekly mm-hmm. wig meeting where we just talk about our progress toward achieving our twelve month goals, which should help us accomplish our five year vision. Well, and this might be a good place for us to add that if you're a church leader and you want to know more about what we're talking about, going wiggy in these wigs and leads and lags and five-year vision, please don't hesitate to contact us because we know we're throwing a whole lot at you right now. Uh, But feel free to contact us. We would be happy to talk with you about these matters if you're confused or it's just a little fuzzy. And just about some of the things that we're suggesting or if something just sounds kind of unclear to you. Right. Well, we've talked about crafting a five-year vision and identifying a 12-month goal, uh, 12-month goals. Um, It's probably time for us to wrap this up, and I know you've got some closing thoughts. I do. You know, we realize that the steps that we are suggesting will require some effort. The last thing we want is for church leaders who are listening to this podcast to say, this just sounds overwhelming to me. I don't think we can do it. Right. We don't so, want that. No, we know that it's going to require some effort. Uh, it's work to craft a picture of where you want your church to be in five years. It's work to work on shorter-term 12-month goals. Yes. But, of course, doing so is well worth the effort. All of this leads to clarity, which leads to alignment which leads to everyone pulling together. And by the way, none of this happens by accident. It happens 
intentionally. It requires intentionality. You know, I was talking to a very wise young woman the other day, and we were talking about the effects of the pandemic. And that was what she said. I'm coming out of this, and I want to live with more intentionality. Mm. And I, I, I'm in the same spot with her, too. Um, I feel like that's it's clarified for us. What is really important is not just going to happen. We really have to be intentional about feeding it and being present and giving into it and giving it time and the intentionality that it's required to help a church grow and be healthy. You know, I think we should all make a commitment that we will be done with haphazard living. Uh, Amen. That we are going to plan, that we are going to be more intentional, that we're going to set some goals that we're going to live more intentionally. Absolutely. And, of course, we hope our listeners know that when we say things like that, we always mean with God's guidance and by the direction of His Spirit. Oh, sure. We always mean that. And even though we may not always articulate it, that's what we mean, is that we really want with this kind of willy-wonky living, it's just done. Time is short. It's fragile. And we need to be far more intentional about it. So. Well, we'll wrap this up. That's it for us at this time, friends. Uh, Please do plan to join us for our next episode when we intend to discuss steps six and seven in this series on how to help your church get off dead center. And as always, we really appreciate and thank you for listening to the Effective Church Leaders podcast, where we offer practical advice and insights to help you get better equipped, lead more effectively, and really help your church thrive. 